Blog Talk Radio. The legacy. The legacy was built long before you came here. Opponents were crushed. Legends were made. The sun rises on a new order. Your name is destined to join the proud legions of those who came before you. For that honor, you will sweat. You will bleed. You will not fail. Uphold the legacy. Let nothing stand in your way. Full speed ahead. Yes, we are. We're full speed ahead on a Tuesday night, 10 days before the Miami Hurricanes open their season at home against the Florida Atlantic Owls. I would say the Miami marketing department is outdoing themselves this year. That's some dramatic music. Hey there, Canes fans. Welcome to the debut edition of Canesport Live, our new interactive radio show. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com. And if all goes well, we'll be here together every Tuesday night throughout the season to break down the comings and goings of the Hurricanes as they surge full speed ahead back towards relevance on the college football landscape. It's a new season, and this is a new show that we're testing tonight for the first time. Actually, it's your show, and we're hoping that it's going to be driven by your participation, both on the phone lines and in the live chat window that you'll find below your player. Everyone's free to call in and engage in discussion for the next two hours on any Miami Hurricanes-related topic. The call-in number's right there on your screen, but for those that want to hear it, it's 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. We have 50 phone lines open, so there's plenty of room for everybody who wants to call in and participate tonight, and you'll also be able to listen to the show while you're on hold. There's many things that we like about this new format that are different from our shows in past seasons. For starters, you're not going to have to sit through long commercial breaks like you do on over-the-air radio. We're only going to take a limited number of sponsors for the show through the year, and that's going to leave us more airtime to discuss all of the different issues that come up tonight and during the season. We're also going to moderate a simultaneous live chat that will take place each week during the show right there on your screen below the show player where you're listening to the show. In addition to your calls, we also hope to have special guests join us each week. Um, A couple are scheduled to visit the show throughout the, the night here, and I think you'll enjoy hearing some of them. So the whole thing should really be a lot of fun, and I really welcome everybody to participate uh, and make this an enjoyable part of your Tuesday evening throughout the season. So we have an open board waiting right now for your calls. It's 646-595-2048. Over the past two days, we've asked Canesport.com subscribers on the War Room message board to identify some of the topics that they would like discussed on tonight's show. Here are some of the ones they came up with, but we're certainly not limited to these. We're going to talk a little bit about the new depth chart that was just released last night that had a lot of surprises on it. We're going to talk about the departures of Jalen Grimble, who has landed at Oregon State, and Danny Dillard, who was a surprise departure uh, this morning. 
who's next? Could it be Earl Moore? Could it be Corey King? Guys that played last year, they find themselves buried on the depth chart this year due to the infusion of talent that Al Golden's brought in. Who knows? We'll discuss it on the show tonight. Where's the defensive improvement going to come from this season? Is it going to come from that bigger and stronger and deeper defensive line? Um, the guys that have been out there by default last year can't get on the field last, right now, as we've mentioned. Will it come from better linebacker play, better cornerback play? Um, how huge is the emergence of Antonio Crawford as a quality player at corner? And then you look at the depth chart, and Tracy Howard is right there with him. Um, but does Tracy have the foot speed to hold up? We'll be discussing that tonight. Why has Miami had so much trouble in past years recruiting defensive tackles to the point where they're pulling guys off the street a week into training camp? Is the defense switching to a 3-4? We'll discuss all that. Where's the pass rush going to come from this year? What's up with Anthony Ciccolo, who when you look at the depth chart is now in or status for his starting job that he's held the past two seasons? Everybody was looking for Rafael Kirby to make a move in training camp this year. It hasn't happened. He still has not risen to number one on the depth chart. And other linebackers are doing better, and it would not surprise if there was some shuffling at that position, which Al Golden kind of alluded to yesterday. We'll talk about that on the show tonight. Um, is going up against the high-octane Miami offense in practice every day helping the defense improve? What about the safety position? Should we be concerned that A.J. Highsmith and um, uh, Casey Rogers are penciled in as starters at this point in training camp when everybody thought that Rayshon Jenkins and Deion Bush were going to unseat them in training camp. Is that something to be concerned about as we sit here 10 days uh, before the start of the season? Is the offensive consistency going to be better than last year? And what caused those problems a year ago? Who's going to back up Duke Johnson? Who's the power back in this offense now that Danny Dillard's gone? Obviously, you're hoping it'll be Gus Edwards, the freshman, but you know, this is a kid that didn't even make the second scrimmage this past week. He's got one scrimmage under his belt. How much is Miami going to be able to count on him as it goes into a new season? How much pounding can Duke Johnson take? We'll discuss that, and we're going to have one of our surprise guests tonight. is going to be a former Miami running back who's going to be able to give us some perspective on the pounding that a running back takes throughout the season. How about the quarterback position where Ryan Williams has seized quite firmly the number two spot uh, behind Stephen Morris? Uh, we thought Kevin Olsen might challenge him, um, but no, Ryan Williams has really stepped up his game in training camp, and even though there's a huge drop-off from Stephen Morris to Ryan Williams, um, he's got a firm hold right now on that number two job. What's the plan for a backup to Maurice Higgins? We threw out on the message boards the other day the possibility that Walter Tucker might be moved into that spot. Well, that has happened, and um, he is now the backup pullback. Um, with hardly any practice at that position, but we think it's a great move. We'll talk about that later in the show and, and tell you why um, we think that that's such a positive move for the future of the Miami offense. Who's the guard that's going to come off the bench? Is it going to be Malcolm Bunch? Is it going to be Jared Wheeler? John Feliciano? Who's going to claim that last starting job at guard um, for the Hurricanes? What's up with the NCAA? Why the heck are they taking so long to give Miami its penalties? Um, and, and where did this whole Dyron Die um, situation fit in this week with Dyron Die being told that he no longer had a place on this football team? Uh, a sad end to a career that just never really materialized for Dyron other than a couple games where he started a tight end and caught a couple passes. But nowhere near what everyone expected when he came down from Sanford Seminole five seasons ago. And, you know, you watch his buddy Ray Ray Armstrong now uh, making plays in the National Football League. And you just wonder what the future holds for Dyron Dye. 
Who's the hardest hitting defensive player this year? Where does Al Golden stack up against other coaches around the country? Um, we'll give you a hint that we, uh, Wednesday morning on canesport.com, we're going to have the Al Golden report card, and we're going to break down all the different areas um, of the coaches, you know, games, so to speak, very similar to how he does the players. And those who want to be hasty to criticize Al Golden, um, I say it in the column, I'll say it right now. They might just want to strap on their seatbelts because when you break down all the categories that you can evaluate a head coach and you start looking at what Al Golden is doing, he's looking pretty good, Hurricane fans. And um, you know, right now, what I would say is you should feel grateful that he's your coach. I'm not sure there's a lot of guys around the country that would have stuck out what all the stuff that's gone on the past two years, been able to handle it with the class that he's been able to handle it and the quality that he's been able to execute his job. What about the new coaching additions? Larry Scott at tight ends, Hurley Brown at running backs, and the new offensive coordinator, James Coley. What can we expect from him? What about the change in recruiting philosophy with the Miami recruiting board of commitments almost totally full six months in advance before this season even starts? It's worked well for Texas in the past. This is the first time we've seen this from the Hurricanes. And how about some talk on improving the game day experience? What can fans expect when they go to the stadium? So those are some of the topics that we'll try to touch on as the show goes on. But as we said earlier, this show is going to be driven by you, the fans. And our first caller of the night is from the 954. And we're going to go to that right now. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Yeah, how you doing? Hey, okay. Man, you had a lot of good questions there. Yeah, well, you know, we tried to set the table. Are you a Kane Sports subscriber? Yes, I am. All right, what's your login name? Oh, I'm not going to say that over the air. Are you kidding me? <laughs> all right, anyway, what do you got for All right, first of all, what do you think of these uh, three defensive linemen that are just all of a sudden showing up and being active t- players for the Hurricanes? Seems a little weak to me. Well, you know, you can look at it a couple different ways. Um you saw the defense last year. We, you know, we all saw the defense. We, we knew the struggles that, that they had up front. That was no secret. And one of the big question marks coming into this season, without question, was what was that defensive line going to be able to do? Um, the fact that the coaches were shopping for literally guys, I mean, you know, you don't want to demean them, right? I mean, but they're, I mean, they're, they're literally pulling guys off the street onto the team a week into training camp, you know, tells you how strongly they felt they needed some help um at that spot now you know that said how good are they um you know david gilbert if he can keep that foot healthy and and i think that's a big if at this point considering that he retired he was he started for wisconsin last year which is was a very good defense um and he actually retired before spring practice and um wasn't going to play football anymore he had foot surgery i believe for the second time and uh, then suddenly got the bug again early in the summer that he wanted to play and approached Miami coaches. Well, you know, we got wind of that, as you know, you probably know since you were on the website, early in the summer. And we spoke to David Gilbert, and he told us about what he was doing. But then, you know, shortly after that, he I mean, he just disappeared from the face of the earth for about five, six weeks. And we didn't know what was going to go on with him. Well, um, so he, he apparently was working out up in Fort Lauderdale. Is looks He looks to be in extremely good shape. If his foot holds up, he is a guy that might, just might, show up at some point here as a starter. I mean, there's no question that the football that he played last year at Wisconsin is at a higher level than anything that was on the football field for Miami last year. 
Now, do you know you what's know, wrong with his know. foot? Well, he had surgery, um, and God, you know, I'm going on memory right now, and I don't, I don't remember all the intricacies of the operation, but, but um, he did have surgery on the foot. Um, there was, might have been some type of fracture in there or, or, or something, and, um, but you know, like I said, you, you know, if he can get that foot straight and keep it straight. He's without question as good as Anthony Ciccolo or Shayon Green, if not better. And, and I think that's the reason why when that depth chart came out last night and you look at that, it's a, uh, the first defensive end position. It says Anthony Ciccolo or Shayon Green. And what that tells you is that the coaches are keeping the options open of making David Gilbert a starter on the other side and then possibly starting Shayon Green or Anthony Ciccolo on the other so I don't know that that decision's been made yet. I mean, I think you know we got to keep this in perspective. Uh, Gilbert's only practiced four days. He did scrimmage about twenty plays the other night, and apparently the coaches liked what they saw. He's had some sacks in practice, um, so the signs right now are good. But you know, I wouldn't you know go start penciling him in for a two sack day against the Gators in a few weeks. At this point, you know, I think we just got to kind of watch it and see how it it develops now. The other defensive tackle um, that you talked about who's Renfro. emerged on the depth chart is, yeah, Justin Renfro. And, um, you know, he, to me, is a little bit more of a retread in all honesty. I mean, he, he, you know, he wasn't a high-profile player at Virginia. Um, you know, there really was nothing significant about his career there. Obviously, it, the fact that he wanted to leave Virginia and go play somewhere else pretty much tells you that things might have gone a little sour there in some way, shape, or form. Um, I asked, you know, some people I know at Virginia, uh, they didn't really want to talk about it, which kind of tells you something right there. So, you know, I wouldn't get too carried away right now about Justin Renfro either. Plus he only had six tackles last year. Correct. Exactly. So, you know, but, but again, he's number two on the depth chart. And what does that tell you? That tells you that guys like, you know, Corey King, Earl Moore, you saw Jalen Grimble leave the team last week and, and go to Oregon State. There's not as warm of a place for those level of players on this football team as there were a year ago. And I think that's why you're seeing some guys leave. You might see a few more leave here before school starts because if they transfer before school starts, they don't lose that academic year and they can transfer and sit out a year and then play next year. Um, so I think you got a lot of guys out there right now evaluating their futures as Miami Hurricanes, and I'm going to include Preston Dewey on the list. Um, oh, you know, yeah, we some, don't need him. Well, I'm just saying there was some conversation about a back injury or something, but he's just disappeared from the team, and i got to believe that he might be shot out there shopping for a new home right now um, as well. So, you know, I, I hope that answered your question. Um, well, one more but, question, you know, if you don't mind. I didn't know yeah, Dillard had left today. What yes, was that all about? Um, number four on the depth chart um, pretty much sees that he doesn't have a future here and um, is, is going off to seek uh, better horizons, I would assume. Right, well, that's you know. a positive spin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't going to play, you know, uh, you know, unless there were some injuries there. So, you know, I think Gus Edwards was number three. You know, you have, you have Eduardo Clements in there. you got Dallas Crawford. Um, you've got Duke Johnson. So actually, Dillard's number five. I mean, he just wasn't going to see the field. Um, so he probably figured he might as well bail now, especially, you know, you got year B coming in next year. And um, I'm sure that they're going to try to recruit another running back in next year's class. You know, obviously, a lot of people are hoping it'll be Dalvin Cook or Sony Michelle changes his mind. Um, but yeah, there just wasn't a place for Dillard. All right. Great answers.
All right, thanks for joining us. All right, now let's go to the 515, and you are now on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, Hello. how's it going? Going good. Hello. How you doing? Are you a Kane Sports subscriber? Yes, I am. All right, you want to give your login? Yeah, sure. I'm not afraid. Uh, this is Skibby Skibby. Hey, what's up, Skibby? Why, no, why is everybody af- why is everybody afraid to reveal their their, their login names? I don't know. I've you're fifty fifty right now, so uh, I think you're fine. <laughs> I've maybe maybe you just needed me as the icebreaker. I've always wondered about that. It's always been like a well guarded secret. People, you know, some people have always said to us, you know, you got to make T-shirts so people can put their login name on the back of their T-shirts. And I always tell them, listen. People don't want to put their login name on the back of their T-shirts. One of the things they love about the internet is that anonymity um, that you have, you know, behind that login. And um, you know, fortunately, most people treat it responsibly on the message boards. We, you know, we really don't have too many problems. But anyway, so what can we uh, what can we talk about for you tonight, Skitty? Well, uh, first thing, I just wanted to make a comment on uh, Gilbert. So I, I live in Iowa, so you know I'm in the Midwest, and I hear a lot, got a lot of Iowa or Wisconsin fans that I work with, and uh, read a couple of things. And there's some Big Ten analysts that uh, were putting out rankings of defensive lines for the Big Ten, and there were more than one analyst that came out and said. Wisconsin would definitely have the best big, uh, best defensive line in the Big Ten, but we're not going to put him there simply because Gilbert transferred. He's he's that good. He was their best defensive lineman last year, and so if his if his foot's healthy, we've got a good one. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with you, and I think that's why you're seeing the depth chart movement after four days on the practice field. He's already number two, and you know you you've got that or next to Chicolo and. Uh, it is. This is not like Fantasy Island here. I mean, Anthony Ciccolo is in danger of losing his starting job. And, uh, you know, this is the type of competition that you want on a football team. You know, Chick didn't have the greatest season last year. There's no reason, and neither did Cheon Green, who didn't have a sack. Uh, you know, there, there's no reason why, although, you know, let's be fair to Cheon, he did lead the team in tackles. Um, and did play some quality football on first and second down, and is very strong at the point of attack. But you know, you're talking about a defensive end who goes the whole year without a sack. You know, they they've got to improve there. And David Gilbert, you know, like you mentioned, uh, gives them that chance. Yeah. So, um, uh, guys, excuse me. We got a lot of catching up to do on the defensive line, that's for sure. And I mean, yeah, I, I'll take these guys. They might not. You know, maybe Gilbert contributes a lot. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Renfro works out. Maybe he just adds depth. But, I mean, Golden's doing what he's got to do, and that's all you can ask for. Yep, no doubt about it. you have anything else tonight? Uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit what you think about uh, the change we're seeing in recruiting. Um, you know, the fact that we got 26 commitments at this point, I guess 25 if you still consider Julio DeRossier uh, part of this last year's class, uh, but I wanted to kind of get your take on that. I think, you know, it seems like maybe last year was a bit of a rude awakening for, for Al Golden when it came to South Florida recruiting. And, you know, do you see this as kind of his attempt to, to change the culture down here? Uh, I think it definitely there? is. His, it, it, yeah. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, it, 
uh, first of all, as far as DeRocher, we really don't know what to call him right now. You know, we don't know whether to call him last year or this year. I think that's still a moving target. Um, but regardless, you're looking at 25, 26 commitments. And I think what happened was when you saw the drama on signing day last year with those guys falling off the board at the last minute and all the uncertainty in the final week of recruiting, I think Al Golden said, this is never happening again. And I think he, he's made it clear to all these kids from South Florida that want to do the hat tricks and everything else that, um, you know, we're just not, you know, not playing that game anymore. And um, so, you know, I, I, I think that with that message sent, that's why you're seeing all these local kids committing early now. Are they all going to stick on the board? I, I, I God, I, I kind of find that hard to believe. I mean, at, at some point in December and January, I have to believe that the coaching staff is going to do some recruiting. Um, but you know, that said, I mean, they're they're going the they're going the Texas route, and um, you know, they've decided just to fill up the recruiting class early and. Uh, you can't argue with it. I mean, it's ranked with a third or fourth in the country right now. It's a little artificial because some of the other schools don't don't have the numbers that they have. So it, it, if it stays the way it is, it's going to drop in the ratings, you know, come December, January. Um, but it's really hard to argue with with how the approach has worked because it has worked. Yeah, I mean, I I think we're sitting, you know, I think we're sitting great. I think there was a there was a thread today on in the storm center about uh, Demetrius Jackson um, and, you know, his recruitment, he's indicated that he wants to take, take visits. Um, You know, some people are saying, well, he's a two star, he's a two star recruit. What's he doing? Taking visits. Why aren't we, why don't we just drop this kid? And, you know, I mean, in a situation like that, uh, you know, this is a kid that could potentially explode, you know, during the year, just based on his, you know, pure physical talent and you know if that happens then Miami's sitting in the driver's seat for his recruitment and you know if it if it doesn't work out if he doesn't end up being the, the person we thought and he continues to look around then you know we're sitting great there too because you know we can go shopping ourselves I mean look at it this way there's a lot of guys on the board you got to keep recruiting them you know I I don't think things are said and done with Alan Edward as I've expressed um I think Demetrius Jackson's another one you, you know you really got to watch um, you know, Trent Harris possibly um, can't say you know too much one way or the other there. Um, but you know, there's going to be other guys that are going to be recruited by other schools. You know, I think Dennis Turner is somebody that could be recruited by other schools. And you don't know, you know, as more guys come into the fold, you don't ever know how he's going to fit at the end. So um, I don't think the class as it lists right now is the way it's going to be perfectly listed in February. Um, but I, I think the approach, like we said, has been absolutely successful. And, um, you know, I would like to obviously see more of the top players in the country uh, in the mix for Miami. They're not right now. Um, but if if the Canes have a great season this year, like many people, um, including myself, think they're going to, you know, that could change as well in December and January. And they could become – uh, in the game for a little bit higher caliber player in a, in a couple spots, and that could affect you know the list as well. So we, you know we just have to wait and see how it evolves. Let's hope. All right, Skimmy. That's all thank I you. Got for, for you. That's all I got thanks, for you. man. Thank thank you for calling. We appreciate it. All right, let's go now to the. Um, let's see, we're going to go to the nine seven three. You are on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? 
Hello? All right, we have a drop call there. Let's go to the 862. 862, you're Hello. on Kane Sport Live. How how you doing? Gary, good. How are you? Doing good. Are you a subscriber on Kane Sport? I am. I'm not afraid to say my name. It's uh, Adrian Mike. I uh, hey, you... like to go with... Good. I like to just say that. You know, I don't post a lot, but I like to say that the stuff I do post, hopefully, is helpful to other people and just offers a little insight. That's all. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, what can we do for you tonight? A couple things really quickly. First off, my biggest fear going into this season is that uh, the, the double S word for Duke Johnson, sophomore slump. Um, if something were to happen, let's say more of an injury, do you think the team can carry on with who they have in the stable with him in the backfield? Wow. Um, I think the guys they have in the, in the backfield with him are good players. You know, they're, they're serviceable guys. None of them are even close to being franchise running backs like Duke Johnson. And mm-hmm. if Steve, if Stephen Morris or Duke Johnson were to get hurt at any point in the season, the, the drop off from those two guys to the guys backing them up is huge. And it's it's season shaping in 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 all honesty. Um, now that said, I think that that you can endure an injury to Duke better than you can endure an injury to Steven because if Duke were to get injured, you still have that stable of wide receivers that you can go to and turn to to score points and um you know they're very explosive they've all come back stronger and faster and um it's really quite impressive what they're doing out on the practice field and training camp um so you know, I, I think you could weather a Duke injury better than a Steven injury. Um, but you know, that. that said, you know, that said, I, you know, I think Dallas Crawford, I think Eduardo Clements um, um, can give you some quality plays during the course of a football game. But can they carry a game themselves? I don't think so. Um, I certainly would not put that in the hands of a freshman, Gus Edwards, at this point, based on the fact that he's only had one scrimmage and we haven't even seen what he can do yet. So I'm certainly not going to make you know that proclamation. Um, and I think that this is one of the biggest issues for this team going into the season, because at some point in every game, well, not every game, but at, at, at several points in any season, you have to be able to pound the football, um, whether it's, you know, five minutes left in the fourth quarter and you're holding a, you know, a three point lead or a four point lead or, you know, whatever the circumstances mm-hmm. might be, there will come a point where you have to be able to pound the football, and I'm not sure right now that Miami has the personnel to do that. And it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how James Coley chooses to manage those situations. You know, obviously he'll do it in spots with Duke Johnson, but you can't get too carried away pounding Duke Johnson into the middle um, because, you know, that's where you start risking whether he'll hold up or not over the course, not just of a game, but an entire season. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think, you know, he's put on weight and he's definitely gotten stronger, but he's not a, uh, he's not a Clinton Portis or Willis McGahee type to me. He's like a, uh, you know, that kind of specialist that Miami, I don't think has had at running back in the last couple of years, but you know, he's definitely not a pounder. I definitely do agree with that. Um, before you let me go, if I could get to my second question quickly, um, I started talking to the last, or heard you talking to the last caller about recruiting. Do you think, it's sanctions that are holding us back in terms of gaining, you know, the lanes and the lemons 
out there, or is it you know just the fact that Miami hasn't been that good the last couple of years? Um, I Why think it's we keep out on? Well, I think it's that Miami hasn't been that that good. That's number one. I, I think you know and that opens the door for a lot of schools around the country. Um, I think number two um, is that you've had a lot of a lot of roster turnover on this football team over the last couple of years, um, and you know that's something that people can use against you in recruiting. I, I think that sometimes some of some departing players can work against you. In recruiting, you know, obviously, if if they, if everything was hunky dory with them, they wouldn't be leaving, um, and they can hurt you on their way out the door by some of the things that they say to some of the other kids, um, and especially when you have a football team that's built so much around local players, um, and you know, some of these local players leave, you know, I, I think that that can become, you know, a, a factor um, without question, and then you know, you have the, um, you know, the recruiting. Um, the, the the negative recruiting aspect of things and you know you put all that together and you know it can be kind of tough sometimes and I think that's why you're seeing with some of these local kids that it's it's a little bit of a struggle this year you know Sony Michelle goes up to Georgia and, and, and likes it um, and you know he doesn't have that firm conviction about Miami it becomes easier to go commit to, to Georgia you know Ermon Lane it becomes easier to go up to Florida um, so, you know, Dalvin Cook, we'll see where he ends up. I don't think things are said and done there yet. But, um, you know, the point is that that's made it a little bit of a struggle. I definitely agree with that. Perfect, Gary. Thank you very much. All righty. Thanks for calling. All right. Yep. Let's go out now to the 812, or 813, rather. Um, you are on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you tonight? Doing good. You a subscriber? Yes, sir. Absolutely. 61 months. I don't post much, but I enjoy the uh, topics and I enjoy the conversation and, and hearing about what uh, other people and yourself have to say about our uh, beloved Canes. You going to give us your login? Sure. Yeah, it's our Kane, uh, based out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, big time Hurricane fan. Uh, I've uh, been to many games, all four national championship games in a row when uh, Miami started against Nebraska. Loyal uh, follower, but I got two uh, two questions if you don't mind answering both. Um, a first, uh, with the depth chart changes, being that Casey Rogers and Highsmith are our starting safeties, has got to be a big concern for yourself and myself and other Kane fan out there. And I was wondering what your thoughts were about that. Uh, it seemed like Jenkins had some, uh, even being young last year, had some potential, uh, made some good plays, and we've all seen what Rogers and Highsmith have done for us, where we've you know thought that there could have been easy picks and. Uh, easy plays made and really dropped the ball and, you know, weren't the leaders of the defense back there, you know, being the safety. Well, you know, I think, you know, I agree with you. You know, when we did our pre-camp preview a couple weeks ago, I, you know, one of the things that I remember saying is I think it's really important that this team come out of training camp with two new starting safeties, and, and that has not happened. Um, Deion Bush has yet to really practice with any, you know, level of seriousness, uh, Ray Sean Jenkins has obviously been unable to unseat either Casey Rogers or AJ Highsmith. Um, and right now, unless something changes here in, in the next 10 days, it looks like they're going to go into the season with the same two safeties that they played with last year, which didn't work out very well. So yes, huge area of concern. I don't think there's any question, um, about that. 
And um, it's something that as fans, you're just going to have to watch, you know, here in the coming weeks. I mean, I think obviously Dion Bush will make it back. Um, and then we, you know, we'll see what, what Jenkins ends up doing. But, you know, right now that safety position um, is, you know, w- without question, one of the weakest on the team. Um, you know, you've got Jamal Carter, the freshman who is, is in the mix a little bit, but you know, he, he's, he needs a lot of work. And um, right now it's not looking like he's going to be able you know, to help a lot, at least early in the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, big problem, no doubt about it. Uh, also, you know, with the limited amount of practices that a college has and, and, the, and the ties, obviously, that we know that the NCAA puts on college programs, do you feel like there's something underlying current out there with Golden, given the last two days of the practice, uh, you know, t- today and tomorrow off? Um, no. You know, we're not a very seasoned team. And let's face it, we didn't have a great – we haven't been relevant in college football in 10 years. Uh, we're building a little momentum. Seems like we're getting better with, you know, players that were, uh, you know, finally uh, maturing and, 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 and making a name for themselves in the college football scene. Uh, to give the last two days of practice off of, of camp, um, I don't know if there's some kind of underlying current. Do you feel that there's something going on with the university with the uh, sanctions possibility? Or, or what no, do you think no, I don't think there's that? any tie-in at all. Nope, I think there's no tie-in at all. I don't think anybody has any idea when the sanctions are coming uh, are going to come down. Um, I think Coach Golden and the staff probably felt like they had a firm grip on what they wanted their depth chart to be right now, and figured they'd, mm-hmm. they'd give the kids a give the kids a couple of days off to get their legs back under them. And, um, you know, when you go through a training camp, you get a little, you know, you get nicks here and there and guys get a little sure. beat up. And, you know, I think it just gave them a chance to have a break for a couple of days. I'm sure there's some guys on the team that need a little bit of work in the classroom that have been coming in to work with the coaches, you know, on the chalkboards and stuff and brush up a little bit on their playbooks and things like that. Um, I think that's what motivated it. I don't think it had anything to do with the NCAA. Fair enough. And one one last quick question, and I, I know that you have a lot of contacts in the industry and other schools. And with the case of the, with the face of college football, you know, ever changing with the super conferences and, and the money that's pouring into it. Let's face it, this is a huge enterprise. Um, do you think that Miami can continue to be relevant in the college football scene for the years to come without the money being pumped in like these major universities? Um, and I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan, thick and thin, and I always will be, whether they're on top or on the bottom. I've been to the you know, the drubbings from Arizona State back in the 1990s and, uh, you know, 47 to nothing with Tallahassee. And, uh, but, you know, is it something that us as Canes fans are having aspirations that we can be relevant again in college football with the money that's being pumped into these other universities? I mean, look at the Oregon States and the Alabamas and the money that's being pumped into these places. And is that, uh, you know, second tier to why are we missing out on big recruits because we don't have the money that the other programs have? And I'll get nah, off I don't your phone. Think... Gary, thanks for taking our calls, and we really appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, I'll answer that question for you. Um, you know, I don't think that um, that money has has anything to do with it. I mean, in all in all honesty, um, I think that now that they've built the Schwartz Center, and you know, they don't have to be embarrassed when a kid goes to Alabama on Friday and sees the Taj Mahal, and then drives down and comes to Miami on Saturday or Florida State, and then comes down to Miami. They don't have to be embarrassed anymore. Uh, and and I think that that you know that that's a very significant thing. You know, in, in the past, a re- recruit recruit would come in and you know they'd have to like 
speed them past the training room because it was just so inadequate compared to what they were seeing in, in other places around the country and things like that. That's not the case anymore. Miami's brought those facilities up to speed. The locker room is beautiful. The training room is beautiful. They're building hydro pools that are going to be beautiful and great for the players. Um, is it as big as a place like Alabama and a lot of other schools around the country? No, it's not. Um, but it's good enough to where if a kid is making his decision on where he's going to school based on facilities, that's not the right kid for this program anyway. And um, the facilities now are good enough, and I don't see money as an excuse or issue um, moving forward in terms of why this team can do well or can't do well. All right, let's go out to the um, 812 now, and um, you are on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Uh, this is uh, Austin Ostu is the Kane Sport user handle. Don't post too much. Uh, been a subscriber for about five years. You guys bring some great content. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. What can we do for you tonight? <clears throat> uh, well, you could send a pizza to my house. That'd be awesome. <laughs> no, uh, um, basically, uh, last caller kind of touched on one of my questions was, uh, you know, concern over the safeties because uh, I don't know if Shodell has any uh, eligibility left, but I think he'd be an adequate replacement over uh, Rodgers. Um, I guess my question would be, uh, who do you see as a, you know, like a potential impact player, you know, off the incoming class, uh, on defense, you know, obviously Stacey Coley on offense, but because, uh, you know, is Alex Figueroa for real or, you know, maybe Artie Burns gets moved over to safety? Uh, who do you see on the defensive side of the ball we brought you in know, this I last class? I don't think Artie Burns is a safety. I think he's a pure cornerback, uh, so I don't think that that option is going to be on the table. Um, I don't think there isn't an answer at safety, unfortunately. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see Miami for next year go shopping in the JUCO ranks for another another safety if if a, if a freshman the B doesn't materialize. Because, like I said earlier in the show, that that is without question one of the weakest positions on the team right now. Um, Figueroa is the real deal in, in terms of physicality and the ferociousness that he brings to the game and the, and the tempo that he creates for the defense. He's just still learning. He's going to make mental mistakes, and you just got to hope the mental mistakes don't cost you ball games until he learns you know, fully um, what he's doing. So you know, I don't think there's any question that he is best positioned to be the highest impact newcomer on the defense. Um, Artie Burns, I see being a long yardage um, situational cornerback, unless there's injuries. Um, but he's had a phenomenal training camp, and I think there's a lot to be excited about um, with Artie um, as well. One other question: What do you uh, make of Tyreek McCord's, uh, you know, absence off this uh, latest depth chart? I mean, uh, he was second on the team in sacks last year. I mean, is is he just? Uh, that far behind these other guys, I just can't imagine, you know, uh, three guys that have played 15 snaps, you know, being bumped up over uh, McCord or some of these other guys we have on the team. I, I think eventually he's going to have to learn multiple linebacker positions. I, I think that what's happened here is Thurston Armbrister has had a great training camp. And that's kept Tyreek McCord sort of in, in the background, so to speak, when you combine it with the emergence of Figueroa who unquestionably could be one of Miami's best defensive players this year. So um, I think he's just caught in, in a numbers game um, at that outside linebacker spot. And, you know, it might be a little bit friendlier down the road for him on the other side 
you know, right now you've got uh, Tyrone Cornelius backing up Denzel Perryman. Just doesn't seem like Miami is as, as deep and, and strong on, on the other side as they are um, where Tariq's been playing. So, you know, you might see that change as they go forward here and, and try to put some more flexibility in his game um, so that they can do more things with him. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for answering my questions, Gary. And uh, let's beat the crap out of the Gators September 7th. <laughs> All righty. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. All right. Now let's, Now we're going to go down to, let's see, let's go to the 305, where you are now on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Shell Dog in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, what's up, Shell Dog? How you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. I'm really excited about this season. You know, I posted when we hired Al Golden. Uh, he was one of the young and up-and-comers that you had mentioned that I was hoping that eventually would come here. I said, give him two years, two years, maybe three years, and the program will be turned around. And I really believe that we're on course. The only thing that slowed it up a little bit, of course, we didn't know how deep the NCAA uh, investigations, you know, turned out to be. But um, there are going to be big things this year real big things, and I think, you know, starting the season with four games in the state of Florida, four out of five, it really sets up well for us. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, I think it's going to take longer than three. I mean, I think this year potentially um, obviously could be a very good season, but we still don't really know what's going to happen with the defense, and um, because of depth issues, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show, you're still an injury or two away to a couple key guys to being in a little bit of a perilous position um, with this team. Um, but Al Golden, if you look at some of the past rebuilding jobs that were done here um, by other coaches, um, you'll see some parallels. And um, it's been really a, a four, five, six-year process um, in most cases, to, to to build the program, and um, you know, I think you're seeing this, the exact same thing right now. Um, you know, I think by the time you, Al Golden, you know, should he stick it out, gets to year five, he has the, the chance for the depth chart and things at all positions to be lined up the way you really want it to, the way like schools like Alabama have it right now, um, but. You know, all that said, I, I think that this year, you know, could be a significant step up. You know, if you can go from seven to, you know, anything like 10 or 11 wins, that's a very significant move in college football. And I don't think that's unrealistic for this year with this team because of the explosiveness of the offense and the schedule. Right. I agree. Somebody put a poll on the uh, board that asked about um, who would you rather be, Florida or Florida State? And I voted for Florida. I certainly would rather beat Florida, and the reason being is because we don't play them every year, and they're out of conference, and they're in the uh, almighty SEC. We play Florida State every year, and they're on the other side of our conference. So beating Florida right now, maybe a Dalvin Cook flips, and he comes here because we beat Florida. There's a couple other kids I'm sure that are on the fence that if we beat Florida, hey, they may come here, and I think that that will be the turning point this season. That's how big I feel the Miami-Florida game is. Yeah, I don't disagree, but at the same time, you know, Florida State is in the ACC, and the Al Golden plan, and it's hard to argue, begins with we getting to win Charlotte. The ACC first. You got you got oh, to win the ACC. I, you got to you got to get to Charlotte. Now that said, though, Shell Dog, 
you know, he understands how big the Florida game is too, and and they'll be totally invested in in beating Florida. But but that in no way will minimize how invested they're going to be in beating Florida State. Also, oh, of course, makes sense. Of course, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, but a win over Florida, um, they jump from maybe twenty seven where they are now to maybe fourteen, thirteen, and then and then we roll the dice. Remember when we beat Oklahoma here a couple of years ago? Jacory was the quarterback. And it was like, oh, my God, Miami went from nowhere to the top 20. And Jacory already mentioned in the Heisman Trophy uh, race. So yep. that's what it can – at Miami, it go, it comes fast. You can lose it, yep. but it comes fast. Well, this you is know? Al Golden's year, Sheldock. This is, this is his year. I mean, this is his year oh. to, to put himself, not just the Hurricanes back on the map, but to put himself on the map. You know, And I, I write about this in a column that's going to be on canesport.com tomorrow morning. Um Al Golden is not really on the coaching map right now. <laughs> you know, there's not Correct. too many people that think that think very much about Al. You know, not that they think negatively of him. They don't think about him at all. And you know, there was right. recently a, a, a column um, that I referenced by Pat Forty, who was talking about the 25 most intriguing coaches in college football. And then he listed about another five or ten after the 25. And Al Golden's name wasn't even mentioned amongst that 30, 35. So you know, well, this that's, is a maybe big that's a good thing for us. Well, this yeah, is a big a year. Thing. Well, the, yeah. that, I, I know what you're talking about, and I don't think there's any relevance there. I mean, I think athletic directors know who Al Golden is, and you know, people oh, yeah. that are looking well, looking to hire coaches, you know, certainly have him on the radar. Um, but um, this is a big year for Al, and you know, those of us close to the program have seen up close the job that he's done in so many areas, the passion and energy, uh, organization, and all the skills that he's brought to the table. Um, so you just you know you, you can't help but root for the guy and 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 um, you know it'll be interesting to see how it works out for him. Okay, Gary was Anything? great. Thank you. All right, Sheldon. Thanks for calling. All right, let's go back. We have another call from the three hundred five, and and you are now on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Is that me? Hello. Is it me? Yeah, Gary, can you hear me? Yep. Who's this? All right. This is Cino three oh five. Alrighty. How you doing I wasn't tonight? Sure if I was on. I'm good. Um so I just have two questions. I won't keep you on all night. Not a, not a problem at all. Is, <laughs> one is um can I get your you know true opinion on uh on Coach D'Onofrio and his philosophy? Do you really think and I hear a lot about this bend but don't break philosophy, is that his philosophy and what is your overall honest opinion on him as a defensive coordinator for us. That's well, I mean, question. all right, well, Ben, but don't break. I mean, that's been, you know, what he's been known for uh, throughout his career as defensive coordinator. You know, he keeps the point totals down, keeps teams out of the end zone. Um, my honest opinion about Coach D'Onofrio is I don't think anybody has the foundation to have an opinion, to be honest with you. I, I, I think any judgments of Coach D'Onofrio from these first two seasons um, are aren't um, are just totally misguided because you don't you don't have the foundation to evaluate them because the personnel has been so bad and, and if anybody wonders how bad the personnel has been look at the fact that guys are walking off the streets even now going into season number three and in after four days of practice or in the two deep on the depth chart I mean you know come on that's just not normal guys and you know it's like yeah you know but, but you know, that said, I think you could start to evaluate him better this year. He does have more pieces. He does have more depth. 
Um, I think some of these younger players are, are developing. And, um, you know, I think that this year there is more of a foundation to evaluate um, Coach D'Onofrio. But, you know, I, I think people, you know, should cut him a little slack about what happened last year. You know, this has just not been a defense built to win, and it's still a defense that has a lot of problems. Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. Um, and then the second question I had was, um, can I get your opinion on the Florida game? Do you think we win it? How do you see it going? And how do you see our season going? This is just basically your your you know your opinion on this. I, I think Florida's going to have a very hard time scoring enough to keep up with Miami. That's that that that's that's what I think. I, you know, I I think that you know Florida's a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball than Miami is right now. But when you look at the explosiveness of the Miami offense, um, how the quality at the skill positions, even though Florida's defensive backs are known to be very good, I just don't see them being able to hold up over an entire football game. And and I you know I think that they're going to have a, an extremely difficult time keeping up with Miami on the scoreboard. And I personally expect the Hurricanes to win that game at home. It's going to be in a very emotional environment. Um, noon kickoff, um, which, you know, I, I I think might give the Hurricanes a little bit of an edge. And um, I don't know. I'm just – I'm expecting Miami to win that game. Beautiful. And how, what do you think we do this season? How do you see the season panning out for us? Well, I think it's got to be nine. I, I, think, I think the line has to be drawn at nine. You know, I think anything less than nine victories is a disappointment. Um, I do think it's, it's a team that if the, if the defense can step up and just be average, could you know could possibly get to ten, maybe eleven. It's going to be very hard. You know, I, I said eleven, but it's going to be very hard to get into that eleven, twelve, no matter what happens um, with a team that still is not complete. You know, you're going to have a half a dozen games this year that can go either way in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's the, that you could you go back even when Miami had its greatest teams in history. That was always the case. So you're going to have six games like that more than likely. And if you can go four and two in those and, and win ten games, um, I think that's a sensational season for this team at this stage of development. Yeah, and you just got to hope that's good enough to play in Charlotte. You know, you got to hope somehow, some way that those that those victories line up well enough to get you to Charlotte and play for the conference championship. Exactly. Well, I'll be watching. I appreciate your time. All right. Thanks for calling us. All right. Now we are going to go to the the seven eight six, and you are now on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's up, man? How you doing? Who's this? Hello? This is Dex Mill, man. Long time subscriber, man. Like. Like it worked most of the time, but damn man, you kind of threw off threw off what I called uh, what I called to ask you about because two things bothered me that you said, and I'm gonna tell you both of them. You gotta listen to this. Number one is you say you don't really blame any uh, uh, put any blame on Denario about the defense. It's, it's like if you're not gonna put any blame on him, then what's he there for? I can tell you this right here, Gary. I've seen coaches all over the country. I'll just name one off the top of my head: Urban Meyer. He took a seven and sixteen, and next year he took them undefeated. There was an instant change. I've seen Nick Saban instantly, not four or five years out of line, instantly change Alabama from a doormat to a winner. I can go on and on and on. If you're an elite, co- it's just like it's just like talent. If you're an elite talent like Duke Johnson, you come in in one year, you make your presence felt. If you're an elite coach, it, it works the same way. You come in and you make your presence felt. I don't think that field is, is an elite coach, and, and, and I, I don't know what your uh, what your position is and why you can't just call it like you said. 
see it, maybe because you, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is, but if you call it like you see it, you got to say the guy just isn't an elite coach. That's number one. Number two, another thing you said that really bothered me that's totally, totally false. A caller called in and asked you if you thought that money had anything to do with us ever getting back to the top. You said no. I can tell you firsthand. This ain't what nobody told me. This is what I know firsthand. Yesterday I was at the car wash. I won't tell you what a car wash is. No, I'll tell you what a car wash is. It's on 135th Street and 22nd Avenue in Oklahoma. And I was there with Davin Cook's father. His father is very poor. He works there at the car wash. I talked to his father for about an hour. I said, yo, man, what's up with your boy, man? Why he not coming to Miami? And in so many words, I'm just going to say this. That money bag um, already been dropped. That's number one. Yeah, but you can't do hold that. Hold Miami hold can't do that. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, 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 hold. No. You have a problem. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish here. Number two, Herman Lane, right? This boy been a diehard Kane fan forever, right? I'm going to tell you like this. This ain't what nobody told me. This ain't no guess. Just because of who I, the people that I talk with in these streets. This is this right here from the horse's mouth. The reason Herman Lane is going to University of Florida is not because of him. It's because of his mother. And it, the reason it's because of his mother is because, once again, that money comes into play. Now, you can believe me or you don't have to believe me, but when you say that money won't have anything to do with it, I'm going to tell you like this, right? Even if Miami could do that, Miami does not have, whether it be alumni base, whether it be uh, 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 the people that are willing to dig into their pockets for, for, for the football program, whether it be legal or illegal. I'm just telling you the, the, the real what it is out here nowadays. It's an, it's an all-out right. arms race. It's like in the world, it's an okay, all Okay, but you're talking, about different, you're talking about two different things. Whoa, slow down. You're talking about two different things, okay? You're talking about cheating. And you're talk and and you're talking about facilities and things like that that you buy with money. What I was saying oh, 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 is right. You didn't let me finish. You, know, though. you let me finish. You didn't let me finish. That's, what? that's on the. I'm just saying side. there's that's a difference. That's on the illegal side. Oh, that, that, there is a difference. That's on the illegal side. On the legal side, I was reading some stuff online about the budget of Alabama versus the budget of other schools. Last year, Alabama's recruiting budget last year was 13 million dollars. Florida State's recruiting budget. Everything, everything entailed, everything entailed into this recruiting thing. Florida State was eight was eight point five million. Alabama had, uh, you know, spent five million dollars more than Florida State. I didn't even see Miami, and it's spending on things like they hire guys to do film, uh, film work. They hire guys to do uh, special teams film work, uh, kicker, uh, all type of things. Uh, it's it's like a big, big, big company, man. A big, yeah, you know, I don't even, I don't know what you want to call it, but. Money affects all of that because, see, nowadays, see, 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 here's the thing, Gary. Nowadays, the talent is so evenly spread out, unlike it was back in the old days, that the slightest edge here or there makes all the difference. You see what I'm saying? See, it's not like it was back in the old days where it was just, you know, either dominate here or dominate there. It's not like that anymore. Nowadays, talent, people play football at a high level in so many different places across the United States now that now it, it's the slightest slightest of slightest of edges that gives your program an edge of another program. And that's why totally agree. I yeah, yeah and that's why I didn't believe this I didn't believe this either until my friend who played at University of Miami, Jermaine Chambers back in the nineties, my best friend of best best friends, he tried to explain this to me but I I wasn't trying to hear it until finally I had to sit down and really pay attention to what he was saying. It's an all out arms race and it's gonna be very this is what he said and I agree. It's gonna be. Will it be impossible? No, nothing's impossible, especially when you live in a talent, when you're in a talent base like South Florida. And 
and we had a tradition that Miami had. It's not impossible, but it's going to be very, very, very difficult, more difficult now than ever for Miami to get back to where they were before. And it's because of, in a large part of that has to do with money. That's number one. Number two, if you don't think the Narcio has some problems, personally, forget the, 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 forget the cupboard because other teams have had cupboards that have been empty. They came, and coaches have come in, like I've given a couple of examples, and they turned it around. And you just don't want to call it like you see it. I'll hang up and listen. I like your work, though, Gary. Keep it up. All right, um, let's take the, let's take the money side of it uh, of it first, which you just mentioned, because um, I think you got people, I'm sure, kind of a little riled up with some of the things you said, and um, not saying they're true, not saying they're not true. You know, we 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 stay away from NCAA violations, bags of money, things like that. Um, we we don't go there um, just because it's not our department. That's what the NCAA is for. That's what coaches are for. And if they choose to turn each other in and things like that, um, you know, that's up to them. Um, but I think you're talking about two different things when you talk about arms races and money. You know, you're talking about Miami doesn't have the wherewithal to cheat like some of these other schools around the country purportedly do. I would totally agree with that. But I would also tell you that Miami can't afford to do it for a number of reasons. One, you've had two NCAA situations here. So anything along those lines would be devastating to the program. They it's not even something that could even be thought about. Um, you know that, that That's number one. The other thing I'm going to throw at you is what would happen to the University of Miami? Let's say – Miami was like some of these other schools around the country that are rumored to be cheaters and, and, and pay kids and things like that. What would you do you think would happen the first time the University of Miami got a booster to put their hands in their pocket and deliver a bag of cash to a kid from Miami Northwestern or Miami Central or Booker T. Washington or you know one of these high schools in, in South Florida and – became known as paying players. Are you kidding me? You know, you you open that door and start paying a kid. Forget the NCAA implications, which would be, you know, now you'd be looking at death penalty city. Um, how about the, the implications on recruiting every other kid every other year, you know, for many years to come who are going to have their hands out looking for that same wad of cash that they perceive – you know, player A or player B having gotten, you know, f from Miami. So that that's just something that is totally out of the question. It's not even an issue at the University of Miami. Yes, they're losing players, um, you know, probably um, because other schools are more able to do things like that for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's one of the unknown, you know, things in college sports. But, you know, we're not going to start pointing fingers at Florida or, or anybody else out there. Um, but I think you're talking about two different things when you talk about arms races and, and money to cheat. Um, in terms of facilities, no, Miami's aren't as good as a lot of schools out, around the country. But like I said earlier in the show, they don't have to be embarrassed anymore. And, you know, I, I think that that's um, very significant. As far as Coach D'Onofrio, you know, I think I gave you my opinion. I don't think it's fair to judge him from last year. You know, you know, could they have maybe won another game here or there? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, but they also could have lost the Georgia Tech game last year as well. They have not had the personnel. I, I don't believe they still had. They still do not have the personnel, even though it's better this year than it was last year. I, I think the best you can hope for is this can be an average defense. If it's an average defense, you can win nine, ten, maybe even sneak out an eleventh game with this football team. All right, let's go to the. Um, the 954, you are now on Kane Sport Live. All right, we have a drop call there. 
Um, now we're going to go to the uh, 914. You are on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. This is uh, username Bucknell calling from New York. Hey, what's up, Bucknell? <laughs> I think it's I think it's ten years I've been on the website uh, this year. Well, so uh, my anniversary. Well, we, you know, uh, I I hope you know we appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, man. I actually ran into you down at Gulfstream, uh, the racetrack, a couple months ago. Uh, my dad had a oh, horse cool. running down there. And oh, really? Oh, yeah. Him. I remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> was, won, uh, right? It, yeah, he did. Yeah, I introduced. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Introduced, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually also that. ran into you at the Oklahoma game a couple years back, but anyway. Well, we're um, traveling. In, we're, we're traveling in the same circles, I guess. Yeah, yeah, man. So what? So, listen, so what you got going tonight? I, yeah, you know something. I think that I feel like a lot of people haven't been talking about, and maybe I, maybe I missed some posts or some articles. Is the addition of our new offensive coordinator? Um, I feel like. I don't know if we know what our offense is going to be like. We know we have talent there at the positions. We know there's some issues on the defensive side. So I feel like people talk about defense all the time. But do we have any idea what our offense is going to look like, how how we think our guys are going to be utilized compared to last year and years previously? Uh, yeah, I, I, Do you agree? I feel like no one's talking about it. Yeah, no, you, well, you don't know because you haven't seen it. Um, I, I've seen it a little bit on the practice field, and, and I will tell you, I love, I mean, just love, 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 what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from James Coley. And and I think this is a guy that's really about to emerge um, on the assistant coach scene in, in the country as, as a top-tier guy. Um, I, I like his attitude. I, I like, the, you know, his, he, he seems to – he's got a swag to him. You know, he's just he's – just, he's, just, he's a badass, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, he's got a swag. and he's, I mean, he's a perfect guy for Miami. And, you know, he sees well, – he's from, got – Sorry, yeah, from like you, a from like a I guess like a play calling standpoint, or like what do you? I mean, I know obviously we haven't seen anything yet, but are there some kind of noticeable things like uh, he likes to run more play action, or he likes to you know like what are we what are we kind of in for? Like, is there anything that you even can share? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see um, a pro style offense. I, I think that that if the personnel stays intact and there aren't injuries, you've got a big offensive line. They can both run block and pass block. Um, I think that the dilemma that defensive coordinators are going to face in, in, in defending this group is, you know, obviously you have to pay a lot of attention to Duke Johnson. And you've got an offensive line that has the capability to get Duke Johnson on a regular basis to the second level. Well, when he gets to that second level, if there's not a safety there to help the linebackers and, and, and cut off the cutback lanes and things like that um, – Duke Johnson's going to be running crazy, okay? Yeah. And now you bring that safety up, and now you've got receivers that can run right by you. And and I think you, you're seeing that. I don't know how much you've been watching the highlights that may come out of training camp and stuff like that, but I, I think you've been seeing a, a lot of that um, in training camp um, because as the defense tries – the Miami defense tries to defend the Miami offense, they're running into a lot of those um, situations. Uh, so it's going to be a, an offense that that should have a lot of big plays, you know, on a weekly basis. And you have an offensive coordinator that I don't think is afraid to go for those big plays. And um, yeah. I think you're going to you're going to see a lot of play action passes. I think you're going to see a lot of deep balls. Um, they're not going to be shy. Let's put it that way. Um, what he's going to have to do is strike the right balance. You know, you can't just go. You know, flinging it all over the place all the time. I, you know, I think we saw Mark Whipple get into some of that trouble with Ja'Cory Harris um, yeah. a few years, 
Remember when he started getting a little, yeah, he started getting a little too crazy with it. Um, But this, but this group of personnel can create a lot of problems. And um, you know, I I think you're going to love James Coley, and and I'm very excited to see what he can do. Yeah, it's good to hear. You know, I always wondered how we were able to sneak him away. I mean, the rumors I had heard were that. He wanted to do play calls, right? They wouldn't let him do the play calls on He Tuesday. wanted to call the plays. Yep, yep. He wanted yeah. to call the plays himself. Um, that's one thing. Um, and the other thing is he, he's from South Florida. You know, he went to Miami High. Um, yeah, that's, and, true. that's and, true. And, and his wife's family is down here. So it was a chance to come home, be with their family. They've got young kids um, and a chance to be an offensive coordinator, call the plays himself, and probably have it be a stepping stone to a head coaching job eventually. Cool. All right, yeah, Alrighty. that's all I got. Thanks. Uh, appreciate right, it, Gary. Man, call, I'll, uh, I'll, call back, I'll listen. Call back next week. I will. I will. Thanks, Gary. Good talking to you, Buckno. Yep. All right, let's go now to the um, the 954. And you are on, you're on King Sport Live. Hello? You there? Time to stop talking to the wife. You're on the air. Going, going once, going twice, three times. All right, the wife's monopolizing his time. He'll, he's going to have to call back, unfortunately. Um, let's stay in the 954, and um, you are now on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Hey, Gary, it's Keenan. Oh, hey, this is uh, Keenan Codrington from Rivals.com. How are you doing tonight, Keenan? Not bad. How are you? Dude, we're doing good. You know, we've got the Hurricane fans all around the country. I mean, so much to talk about. It's, you know, it's a two-hour show. We probably could sit here for five hours tonight. Um, obviously, a lot been going on in, in Hurricane Camp. But um, the reason I asked you to call in is I wanted you to talk to us real quick about the uh, Rivals 100 um, that, that came out uh, this week and uh, the big jump. Obviously, that uh, Chad Thomas from Booker T. Washington was able to make going up 169 slots to number 52 overall. Um, talk a little bit real quick about you know how he was able to make that big of a jump um, and what you see from Chad Thomas coming into this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge jump, no doubt, and, and it, it was deservedly so. I mean, when you have a guy like that who wins the defensive line MVP at the opening, which is – you know, similar to Rivals 100 five-star challenge presented by Under Armour, the best of the best against the best of the best. That that spoke volumes to what type of potential a guy like Thomas really has. Now, I've had a chance to see him in person and game action over the last couple of years, and he's a great player with a lot of raw ability and upside. However, he kind of gets up – he was upstaged by guys like Matthew Thomas and, you know, these other guys in the Booker T defense, and this is going to be his year to shine. He's number 52 in the Rivals 100 presented by Under Armour, and now he'll, he'll probably have a little bit of a target on his back, and we'd like to see him produce at a high level this year. And, and he's a guy that we also saw. That he came to the Florida State Nike camp um, following his Alabama summer camp visit. I saw him there, and he was the best defensive lineman there, hands down, and he dominated the one-on-one drills. And I mean, the offensive lineman didn't even have a chance to get their hands on him, so – he did enough this summer to make that jump, and now he just he has to go out in the field on Friday nights, back it up, and I think he I think he'll do that. There's no, there's no doubt that he has that type of potential and that type of big playability. Why did he come from so far? Well, I mean, I, he wasn't off the radar. I mean, he still was a four star prospect, yeah. but I mean, but I mean, why do you think that that he was able to you know make such a drastic move up the rankings? You don't you don't really see something like that very often. 
No, no, you don't. But, again, I mean, the performances were there from the, the times we saw him in person this spring and summer. I mean, he was a guy on the Rivals 250, a four-star prospect going you know, back to the last rankings release in May. He came to the Rivals Camp Series in Miami at North Broward Prep. I know you saw him there, and he was excellent one-on-one there. He was the only defensive lineman to get the best of uh, Casey McDermott, who's another top uh, offensive offensive line prospect in the state. So he kind of jumped on our radar. We said, hey, you know, this is a guy that can do it against some top-tier prospects. Let's see if he can do it the rest of the summer. And he did that. He backed it up, and he earned the opportunity to move up those 169 spots. And, again, they were – the best, um, the best opposition against him, and at the opening, guys like five-star offense tackle Cam, uh, Cam Robinson, and he went against the best of the best, and he beat him. And um, and then I saw him at Florida State, and he did the same thing there. So he's a guy that put together the spring and summer on the summer camp circuit, and he put together strong performances. He backed it up, and now we just, you know, we want to see him go out there on Friday night and dominate and increase his production a little bit. He's a guy that kind of slid under the radar, like I said, about four, four sacks last year to the regular season. But um, it wasn't because of his, you know, inability. I think it was more so the defensive scheme and Matthew Thomas being able to make plays in the backfield for uh, for Booker T. Washington. So he'll be the guy this year. He'll be, he'll be the guy to be able to cut loose. And, you know, we think he'll be able to, you know, move that 52 ranking up even higher if he has a good performance in the, the fall. And then he'll also be in the uh, – I know he's going to be in the all-star circuit as well. So he's another good chance for him to move up, another good chance for him to do some good things for uh, for, for his ranking, and then more importantly for Booker T and then even Kane Nation as he's one of the highly rated recruits for their 2014 class. You know, I think something that a lot of people out there don't realize is how many times the way things are today, it, it's different than it was in the past. And with all these different camps and things like that in, in the spring, um, it gives <laughs> – you know us and 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 your team certainly the at rivals that does the rankings um many more opportunities to see these guys face to face and and in workouts and and you know talk real quick about you know how that's impacted the rankings process and if you think that that's made ranking these high school players a little bit more of an exact science than maybe it's been in the past i mean i know i've had some coaches who have told me you know these rankings are a lot better than they might have been five, six, seven years ago. And I think the reason for that is because the ranking teams um, and, you know, guys like myself who who have sites and are seeing recruits and stuff and, mm-hmm. and we're obviously always talking about them and things like that, have more opportunities to eyeball these guys face-to-face and, and see them in action. Sure. No, I mean, it's a great point. Um, I think the camp scene has definitely evolved in the last five and six years. Um you know, I've been doing this for quite some time, going back to my time at the Four Letters, um, the uh, company located in Bristol, doing their their events, and it's it's given under the radar players a, a bigger opportunity, but it's also given the the higher the top tier guys a chance to compete against each other one on one. If you're if you're a guy like Chad Thomas or even Armand Lane and some of the other guys, usually in practice and on Friday nights you are the best player out there and no one's even close to your level. So when you come to these camps where other players are just as good as you, maybe it's not better, it makes you raise your game. So you're seeing these guys perform at a high level against one another. It's likely what they're going to see at the next level as well. So it's a good measuring tool for these guys. You know, again, we watch a ton of film and, uh, you know, either game film, highlight film. There's, there's a lot to the formula 
but the camp setting is big to see these guys side by side. And the college coaches will probably tell you the same thing. I mean, just as similar to them is they place a lot of value on their summer camps. And it's a great chance for in-person evaluation to see how guys stack up, see who's jumping to the front of the line, uh, see who's winning the majority of the reps, see who can handle adversity um, in a neutral setting where it may not be favored or geared or slanted towards them. So it's a great tool. It's a, another opportunity to see these guys in person, which is, again, I think I can't even understate the value of that. So we do a we do a great job of covering not only the Rivals Camp Series events, but other events, um, the IMG events, anything that's out there that we can get, we can see guys again and see them against players from outside their area or their comfort level. It's a great tool for us to use. It's a great tool for the colleges to use, especially during the um, the period, the contact period in the NCA where they can't get out there and see these events because it's against NCA rules. So they're going to Rivals.com. They're going to Kingsport to see what these guys are doing. And it's a good chance for some of these guys to get their names out there. But also the guys who dominate those events, they're going to be talked about more. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, you, you only talk about the guys you see and the guys who are highly ranked. Well, if they're beating the best guys, you know, we're going to talk about them. And if the under-the-radar guys do the same thing, we're going, to, we're going to talk about them too. Well, you're going to be working the state of Florida throughout the entire football season, going to a lot of games on, you know, Friday nights and some Saturdays and, and things like that. So, you know, hopefully on Tuesday nights you'll be able to make a little time for us here each week and we can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's going on and, and some of the different developments and get a little bit more in-depth into this Miami recruiting class and how some of those kids are uh, playing out in their senior season. So, um, you know, thanks a lot for calling in tonight. Just wanted to get your, your input on that big Chad Thomas move. And uh, we'll talk more recruiting here in the coming weeks. Thanks, Kenan. Sounds good, Gary. Thanks for having me on. You take care. You you got it. All right, now we're going to take a quick trip up to the 929, and then we're going to have a special guest uh, shortly after that. Um, you are now on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up? Doing good. How you doing? Thanks for holding on. Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, yeah, I'm BK Hurricane. I've been with, uh, you know, you guys for a few years now, you know? We appreciate yeah, that. Listen, yeah, thanks a lot. But listen, I want to kind of talk about Kelvin Kane a little bit. Now, to me, it's been proven that this kid is like, you know, he gets on the field. It seems like he doesn't practice very well, but every time he gets on the field, it's almost like something dynamic happens. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I, one of the most bizarre careers of a Miami Hurricane that any of us have ever seen. I mean, this was a kid, he started a game at middle linebacker as a true freshman, and then for whatever reason, I mean, I certainly can't explain it. Bounced around all over the place. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, you pick up the depth chart here, you know, this morning, and uh, there's Kelvin Kane listed as co-second team back at middle linebacker. <laughs> and, you know, I don't understand why he ever moved from middle linebacker. Um, to me, that's it's where he should stay. Well, we don't know. They're playing you know, around – uh, you know, Donofrio kind of, doesn't be targeted for everybody. You know, I mean, come yeah, on. I mean, it, you know, it, it, listen, you have one of the worst defenses in college football. You're an easy target. Um, yeah, I know. you got to admit, though, that, but, you know, I think he's playing around a little bit too much with the defense. You should just hey, listen. These are the players that I have. 
I need to just work with the players that I have instead of trying to implement like different systems and things of that nature. Like I have no idea what kind of defense we played. We played four three, three four, three four hybrid, four three hybrid. I have no I idea. On the, I think it depends on the situation. You know, I think they're trying to be versatile. I think they're trying to have different options, different personnel groups for different situations. Um, I think that's what they're trying to accomplish this year. Um, I don't think they're they're trying to be you know typecast in any one style, so to speak. Right now, I don't think they have the personnel to just line up in in in, a, in the same formations, play after play, and hold up. Um, look, they were reaching. You know, we know that. Okay, they were challenged personnel wise. They were reaching. They were moving guys around. I mean, it has been a mess. We you yeah. know the defense the past two years has been a total mess. Um, but, you know, is an easy target because he's a coach. And, you know, sports fans go for the coach. And it's never going to be any different. Um, I caution everybody, you know, if you want to be fair to the guy, to just take a step back, you know, let them continue to get the personnel right. It's it's better right now than it's been the last two years. But is it perfect? Heck, heck no, it's not perfect. You know, you don't have anything proven on the defensive line. You're counting huge on Curtis Porter who's done absolutely nothing in his previous four years here, um, has been hurt all the time. You know, he looks great. He's put on some muscle. He looks like he's going to be a dominant nose tackle this year, but you don't know. You can't count on it. Um, you're hoping Olsen Pierre can come through. There's a lot of hoping, hoping, hoping. You're starting a linebacker in Figueroa that's never played a college game. Um, you're starting another hey, he's looking one. looking like our best linebacker right now. Yeah. Oh, you'll see him. <laughs> He, there will he's, be time. No, no, I've no, seen him. I was down in Miami. He's really yeah. looking like our best linebacker. I oh, mean, yeah, he's, I, he's, he's a big kid. Look. Yes, he is. Big kid. He's a big kid. He brings it. He plays with great passion, makes plays, but he's going to screw up some things too. He's never played. And you're, yeah. now you're going to, you know, you're talking about rolling him out there on opening day as, you know, possibly your starter. Um, you know, Jimmy Gaines is a, is, is a career journeyman. Looks like he's playing the best football of his career right Smart now, kid. but. Smart kid, but you know we don't really know what that's going to mean. You know, is Denzel Perryman going to finally be the playmaker that everybody thinks he can be? We'll see. Um, cornerback position, total question mark in my opinion, and the safety position is an even bigger question mark. Yeah, so that's, that's that's our weakest link. And I want right, to touch on the quarterback do? position just really quick. But wait, before you go to that, uh, yeah. we're going to sit here and pound Denafrio? I mean, come on! I mean. Yeah, I mean it's bad, but I've seen other coaches come in with 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 just the same amount of non quote unquote non talent that we have, and have managed to do something. We were we're incapable of doing anything. We were just inept. At yeah, defense. they were inept. No doubt about it. We were just inept. Like he just couldn't do anything. Look, if they, if they're let's let's you know if they're inept again this year, then I think you're going to have fair fair grounds for criticism. Um, yeah, but, I don't, but I don't think you had it last year. I really don't. That's just my opinion. All right. Say, like, for example, like, we have Stephen Morris last year. He's probably going to have a, you know, the best year any Miami Hurricane quarterback has ever had. And he's probably going to be up there in the nation as one of the best quarterbacks. But what scares me is next year now. If we bring in this defense, we can't throw Ryan Williams out there at all. Well, Regardless of how he does I don't in the think spring so. and I don't the think fall, so you got to throw Olsen out there. 
Yeah, well, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's um let's save that topic for next week and talk a little okay. bit more about that this week and and, and I I I hope you'll call back and do that. And I'll I think definitely call back. It's, yeah, it's a legitimate topic. Um you know, we've just got uh right now we've got a full board and we've got a special guest on the line that I have to get to that I think everybody's going to like hearing from. Um All right, so got you, Gary. I'll, I'll call back and, next yeah, week. And, and call back next week and let's talk more about that backup quarterback situation and whether Olsen's going to play this year. Deal? Yeah, he, yeah, I got you. All right, next Tuesday night we got a date. All right, now we are going to go to a special guest uh, coming in on the 305. Um, you know him on the boards as Bruce D.W., a, a longtime co-host of mine on the radio. Um, when we used to have shows on 790, The Ticket, and um, Bruce Warner, and uh, a guy that, that knows a lot of former Canes, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have one of them on the line with him right now. How you doing tonight, Bruce? I'm doing great, Gary. Show's great, and I've got a former Kane. In fact, your posters love this guy, and we all do too. He's the uh, he's tied with Edger and James for the most touchdowns as a running back in, in our school. And uh, I've got Stephen McGuire on the line. Stephen, say hello to Gary Furman. How you doing, Gary Furman? Stephen, how you been, you buddy? Good, good to hear right. from you again. Now, right, from, good. from what I understand, you're a, a police officer now. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm a tell us, in the tell us a little, yeah. Tell us a little bit about where you are, and I, I think you moved back up north. Tell us a little bit about where you are and what you're doing. Yeah, I, I, uh, I left Florida. Uh, I left Miami in 2001. Came up and I, and I uh, became a police officer in 2001. Uh, and I've been working in the borough of uh, Crown Heights. I mean, borough of Brooklyn and Crown Heights. And I live on Long Island, so uh, everything is good. I, I can't complain. You know, white family. Everybody's good. I've seen a couple of guys come down. Uh, Russell Maryland, when he was inducted to the college football, all the things. Um, I met with him down at the uh, Waldorf, and, uh, you know, we had dinner and everything. So I can't complain. And I, every now and then I run into Warren Sapp, you know, saying that when he's in town. So, you know, everything is good, man. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who are who are listening tonight, you know, remember the day when when you played, and um, I always felt that you, that you were the one of the Miami running backs that really didn't get your fair shake for how good you were because you kind of got a little bit lost in the whole McGahee, Portis, Edgerin, you know, going off to the NFL and being superstar thing. Um, but in when you had your moment and you were that one back in that Dennis Erickson offense. Um, you had some highly productive football games, and and really were was a very key guy in the success that that Coach Erickson was able uh, to have at Miami. And um, I think it's it's appropriate that we have you on tonight because I think Miami is going into this next season here um, with a guy by the name of Duke Johnson who is going to have to carry a lot of that load like you did and. The offense is a little different. It's not quite the Erickson offense um, uh, from you know from the 1990s, but at the same time, I think you're going to see Miami line up in a lot of three wide this year. You're going to have a lot of times when you might have Duke Johnson in in in, in a one back the way you used to line up. And what I'd like to hear you talk about tonight is what kind of load can a guy like Duke handle, um, and how does the management of carries play into this season for the Miami coaches and, and how significant do you think it's going to be in, in getting Duke Johnson through the season healthy, but at the same time maximizing the ability that he has? Well, I know Duke Johnson is a, 
you know, great running back. I know he, he has great speed, power, and strength. So, you know, at, at, you know, at the games I watch up here, you know, it was very limited. So, and I, and I know that, you know, at the games I watch, he, he is a very powerful runner, and he has a lot of speed. So I, don't, I, I can't remember him really about him catching the ball uh, coming out of backfield, but if he's able to, to uh, you know, like, Require that skill of catching the ball out of backfield, so we definitely be one of the one of the uh, great Kings running back. As far as you mentioned with uh, McGahee, Edmund James, and um, Portis, all those guys are great running backs. You know, because they all some guys can block, they can run, and they have speed. You know, as far as them, you know, uh, getting them the ball, I think you know it was different back when I was playing. You know, we had certain running backs. You know, we had uh, Alex Johnson, we had uh, Lennon Conley, and, uh, you know, we had Shannon Crowell. So, you know, we all had our own little um, special thing. Alex Johnson was a 4-3 guy. Uh, Lennon Conley was a tough running back from from, from, from when Coach Johnson was there, and um, Shannon Crowell was a, was a hell of a blocker. So, you know, and me personally, I, I was just a, a tough inside runner, and uh, I got that from learning from, you know, Going against the you know the great defensive line that we had against uh, uh, my freshman year, you know, I was going against guys like Russell Maryland, Cortez Kennedy, Greg Moss, Bill Hawkins, Shane Curry, uh, Willis McGee. None of those guys went less than the third round. So you know, that was my that was my goal, and, and, and Coach Davis pushed us to be the best out there. You know, so if, if, if those guys get pushed. Like Duke Johnson and other running backs that's behind him, pushing him. He should have a great, great year this year. Yeah, Stephen, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, and I talked to Gary about this yesterday, and I know a lot of the Kane fans listening to this are kind of sick and tired of the last six or seven or eight years of third and short, fourth and short, and in the back in the day it was no problem. Now in the last six, seven years, every time it's third and one, third and two, fourth and one. It's like an adventure movie, and you're a guy that stood in the backfield by himself where everybody in the entire stadium knew you were going to get the ball, and like, what, 99 out of 100 times you got the first down. So what is it about, is it a mentality? What is it about Stephen McGuire? What is it that's not happening with, with the, the last couple of years of Miami that you were able to do such a thing? Well, it's a mentality. Again, you know, my thing was, you know, when when, when I was on the scout team, Back in '88, uh, when again, you know those guys that I mentioned, the Cortez Kenny <laughs> and the Russell Maryland and the Jimmy Jones, you know, and, and Coach Davis will push the scout team and tell us if you get five yards or three yards against this defensive line, these guys are going to run. So that was my goal to get these guys so that I don't have to run. You know what I'm saying? So you know, I push myself to be the best to go against these guys and to take it upon and to have a certain attitude when it's, when it's third and short to get this first down. So I don't know how they practice it now, but, you know, that's how it was back back then. So, and, and once I came up from the scout team to, you know, you know, to go up to the, what was that, uh, to the regular squad, you know, that was my attitude, you know what I'm saying, so to get that first down, you know what I'm saying, you know, to keep the game moving. All right. Well, obviously, it, and Gary probably will agree with this, it probably was a lot easier in the games to get a first down on third and short than it was in practice. 
<laughs> the damn sure was. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, what you do know, you think of Duke, uh, what 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 do you think of Duke Johnson when you watch him? He has great speed, great speed, power, and strength. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he has. Well, I, I haven't really seen him catch the ball out of the backfield. You know what I'm saying? So I, I can't really tell him on that part. But uh, you know, he has great speed, power, and strength. And you know, and I hope that you know he he's able to bring it all this year. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and as far as you know, catching the ball and running with the ball. Yeah, well, he he does have that capability. You know, there there's, there were times mm-hmm. last year where they even tried to put him in the slot and put him out at receiver and things yeah. like that. It, it it didn't work. You know, they couldn't they couldn't really get that going last year. Um, but I do think that you know we'll see a little bit more of that uh, this season. He definitely does have the capability to catch the ball out of the backfield and uh, you know obviously getting him it's out in open space. You know what I'm oh, he absolutely is. Yeah, he I mean, reminds me of like good, a um, he makes me remind me of like a Kevin Williams back when I was playing. You know. Yes. He's trying to get Kevin Williams, the, you know, the ball anywhere as possible. You know what I'm saying? That type of player he was. He's the type of person that you got to get him the ball at least 15, 20, 20 times a game. Are you, you going to make it to any any um, any games in South Florida this year? Uh, I, I hope so. But uh, I don't know if they come up north a little bit. Hopefully they're not going to come up there. Uh, I don't know if they're playing up like in Maryland or, or Virginia. No, hope there's a game there. in Pittsburgh. You get you got the season finale Pittsburgh? in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, and then other than that, uh, the closest that we'll get to Brooklyn, I would say, is going to be uh, a couple of visits to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know what I'm saying, if my schedule permits me, you know what I'm saying, that I can catch one of these, you know what I'm saying, one or two again, because I love the Kings, you know what I'm saying. It, it, it was the greatest time of my life. I enjoyed it. I met a lot of great people like Bruce Warner and mm-hmm. a whole lot of, of nice people out there. Yeah, well, I, right, well, Stephen and I have been close for a long time. It's not just yeah, doing this radio show. A long, long time. He's a great, right, we'll he's try, a great you know, guy and a great cane. Hopefully your boss will give you a weekend off at some point and, and yeah, let you do so. that. And then, um, you know, we'll maybe check back in with you at some point during the season and, you know, see what you think uh, about how things no are going. Problem, so, no problem. you know, thanks thanks a million for coming on tonight, Bruce. Thank you. Um, yeah, hold on, we'll Stephen. If you're going to go to the pit game, stop over in Newark and pick up Caesar because he doesn't have a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Bruce, we'll, you know, we should be talking to you pretty much uh, every week with a different former player. So we're looking forward yep, to that. Week. All right, guys. Thanks. Um, Bruce Warner, Stephen McGuire joining us on uh, Kane Sport Live, and we're going to go back to the phones um, to your calls, and let's go to um, the nine five four. And you are now on Kane Sport Live, the fastest two hours in sports. Hello, Gary. How you doing? We're doing good. Who's this? This is uh, my name is Hurricane Mike. Hey, what's up, and, Mike? Uh, yeah, what I want to address, Gary. It took me you no know, one time. My call dropped when you got ready to call me on, and I couldn't quit to call right back. Oh no, you were the one. Waiting. No, no, no. Your wife was yelling at you. I mean, no, we, you know, she, she's not here. No, it just dropped. I don't know why was, it dropped. But it she was dropped. giving you the business. No, she was giving you the business, and we you know we gave you about ten <laughs> seconds, and we said, hey, all right, we. I want you to know, Gary, I'm a huge fan of yours, man. A huge fan of yours, man. I love Thank your you. work, man. But I'm a huge fan this. of yours, too. We appreciate back. all you guys. I want to go back and address something from the guy from the 786. When he was talking about Emory Lane, and he was talking about the, the payoff from the Florida Gators and, and all of that. And by <laughs> Mark D'Onofrio in his defense. Let me say this. This will be the first time in a long time that the University of Miami will have fifth-year seniors 
fifth year, I mean, uh, juniors, red shirt juniors, in a long time. Because guys usually be in the left school when they junior year. So we yep. never really had guys that played their senior year of ball. Because when we had seniors there, we was dominating. When those guys started leaving early, we started going downhill, you know. And so for mm-hmm. him to say that, you know, about Martin also, though, first of all, we didn't have depth of defensive tackle. Luther Officer State hurt. Some people kicked off or whatever, whatever the case might be. See, now they got to get Donofrio this time right here. Because I'm going to tell you something. The secondary is only going to be as good as your pass rush. If your pass rush is good, the secondary will be good. But if they can hold that ball for a long time, you don't get no pass rush. I don't care if you got Deion Sam or something. Sam, you got all of them back there. They ain't gonna get. They ain't gonna do nothing. You know what I'm saying? I love I what Al Golden is. I love what Al Golden is doing. And let me tell you something. People can undermine us if we want, and I agree with you. I was just looking the other day. having a problem with their offense, which I'm not concerned about that. I hope they get the offense working because I don't want no excuses. I don't like excuses. When you're trying to get on the field, let's play ball. Miami could have shot a lot of people. These guys are in the best shape they've ever been. They're bigger than what they've ever been. They're stronger than what they've ever been, and they feel like they got something to prove. They should use that not being ranked in the top 25 as a motivation to go and try to fight for an undefeated season. Is it going to happen? I can't say that. But that's a motivation. Because if y'all feel like you could disrespect the dismiss, all this work we done put in, we're just going to show you all how good we really are. We're not going to talk about it. We'll see you on the field. And that's the way Al Golden have these guys' mindset. And I truly believe they're going to be Florida. And I'm going to say this. If they can run the table from Florida to Florida State and get past Florida State, I don't think nothing's going to stop us. The only thing I hope is is they don't get big-headed and we keep them grounded if it comes to that. That's the only thing I hope. But I truly believe Al Golder is fit to make history at the University of Miami because he had an opportunity to leave and he didn't. He's there for the long haul. And I love what James Coley is doing. See, first of all, he's coaching his coaches and he's allowing his coaches to coach the players. Bottom line, if we keep a good offensive coordinator, keep switching offensive coordinator, Kyle Wright, Jacoby Harris, they didn't get a fair shake. They had four or five different offensive coordinators. What can you expect from these guys? But if you got a guy going to be in place for the long haul, you'll see a totally different Miami team. You can't have coaches coming in and out, in and out every year. You got somebody leaving. Somebody, it don't work like that. You can't do it. You yep. say you can't no. do it. You, you yep. know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not, he's not playing around. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, you're seeing guys coming in, guys going out. I mean, I mean, this has been the most active personnel Miami training camp that I can remember, I'll tell you that. And um, It's yeah, like an NFL it's like an NFL right. camp. So what he, yeah, so what he's trying to do, he's trying to get them a nucleus there of coaches that want to be there for the long haul. If you be there for the long haul and you got one set of coaches, you're going to see a big difference. But you can't have coaches coming and going, coming and going. You're not going to get nowhere like that. It's not going well, to work. I don't he, care what coach. He's running yes, that program. Okay. He's he's running that program like a guy that knows he's got a board full of uh, people over there in the war room on Kane Sport, you know, just ready to jump all over him if he doesn't win, you know, nine ten games at least this year. And uh, man, he sure uh, is not exhausting any opportunity to make this team better. So you know, hopefully it'll work out. Um, you know, we we've got a um, an Al Golden report card on KaneSport.com in the morning, and you know, I think you're gonna like it. I think you're gonna like the way we break it down. And uh, you know, he he's doing pretty well. You know, he really is, so yeah. we'll see. And then for that guy to come on there and talk about what's going to get a family, why would Miami want to give somebody some money to play football for? Oh, my God. Why? What a 
What that's crazy. A disaster. That's so that, that's so asinine. I don't I, I don't understand that. That's stupid. Yeah, that's yeah, we that already was, coming from up under one rainbow, rainbow umbrella. So why would we want to go back and do that again? For yeah, what? That would, that would, it would not be very smart. But Mike, hey, listen, glad, uh, happy the wife uh, left you alone for a few minutes and, and let you call in, and you know, I, I hope we'll hear from you. I hope you can, you know, okay, sneak good, away from. You got. Hey, make sure you sneak away from washing the dishes next week, also to to, to, to give us a call, and uh, we'll have you on again. Okay, good. Thanks a lot. All right, Mike. All right, let's uh, continue on here. We've got another call um, from the 954, and um, you are now on Kane Sport Live. Thanks for holding. Hey, Gary. Hello? Yeah. Gary, how you doing? Who's this? Yeah, who's this? This is, this is Blake. Blake. Gary. Yes. How you doing? I met you at the Heat game, the game one, uh, the Pacers game. I don't know if you remember watching the TNT set. Oh, yeah. I, I came up to you. you. I don't know. How you doing? How you doing, man? Everything good? Doing, doing good. What, what, you, what you got tonight? No, no. Quick question though. I, I just, I don't understand. Um, everyone's thinking this defense is going to be just a disaster like last year. I think they got to give these guys a little bit of a chance here. And I know Coach D's under a lot of pressure and everything, but they're a year older and I think a year wiser. I would hope they've been in, in the, you know, studying the film and everything and seeing what they, what they did wrong all, all summer. And I, I think. I think they're gonna show show some people um, what they got. I mean, I don't know how you think about that, and I think you guys are still a little weary about it. But no, I, I don't well, have to drink I mean, the Kool Aid. No, well, you know, this is the time of year to drink Kool Aid. You know, listen, it, what football fan doesn't go into any season thinking his team's going to be better, his team's going to compete for championships? Um, you know, it wouldn't be the Miami Hurricanes if you know if everybody wasn't feeling that way at this time of year. Uh, reality probably is that this defense will should be significantly better than it was last year. That's all I'm asking but, for. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, yeah it's, not, mean, it's, it's not going to be all even the way. It can't be. It can't I mean, be all the way there. Yeah. You know, this is this is not a championship-built defense. It, um, it may but not. If they it may could, not I, I think – go ahead. Yeah, if they could just be average, it's going to be a great – this season is going to be so exciting, guys. And I say this to everybody that's out there listening tonight. This is going to be one of the most fun – exciting Miami Hurricane seasons um, that you've had in the last 10 years, no matter what happens. And, you know, obviously if the team doesn't win, you're going to be disappointed, but this is going to be an entertaining group of kids. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, everybody has a lot to be excited about. Right. And one last thing, I mean, does, I mean, do you really think that Gators offense is going to be able to run up and down, up and down our, down our throats? No. Running, either running no, I, the ball no. or... No, I don't. Or I, the I don't. Because, I, I mean, I think, because, no, I think Driscoll... Because, well, Driscoll, his deficiency is throwing the football. So, you know, the obvious game plan is you shut down the run and you put him in long-yarded situations and, and come after him and play pass defense. Um, You know, I, I, I don't like you know, the way Florida shapes up in that football game. And, you know, I, I really – I like Miami a lot against the Gators. And uh, I think, like I said earlier in the show, they're going to have a very hard time scoring enough to keep up with Miami. I think the Gator defense is good. I don't think it's great to the point where it's going to be able to consistently stop the Miami offense. Yeah, I mean, they lost – they lost a, a Bostic who's going to probably end up starting in, in Chicago. They lost a couple of linemen. I mean, that, that – what is that? Yep. Who's that guy? I forget his name from up north. The, the D tackle. I mean, they lost like, and uh, I mean, I don't know, five, four, five NFL guys. Floyd, I mean, right? how, do you, how do you expect to stop? Yeah, Floyd, right? Sheriff Floyd, right? I, yeah. I mean, how do you expect to 
to, to be to be up to par and, and play an offense that we have. I don't know. I just I, I I feel like if we you know win the first two games, I think you know ten games. Anything other than ten games is it would be a disappointment in my opinion. Yep. I mean, I I think a lot of people feel that way. So you know, we'll just have to you know see see how it plays out. So um, thanks a lot for calling tonight. Hope you'll um, hope appreciate you'll call. it. Gary. Good luck. You know, and, uh, every, I'll, every I'll, week. See, I'll see you around. All righty. Thank you for calling. All right. Yeah. Now we're going to go to the. Um, the 305 real quick, and uh, you are on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Hello, sir. Yes, sir. Can you hear Yeah, we can hear you. Well, basically, my question is uh, about this whole Orange Bowl situation. The what situation? The whole Orange Bowl situation. Okay, go ahead. Yes, sir. I just feel like, uh, you know, being a being a Hurricanes fan and an actual uh, uh, former student, I just feel like, uh, especially if uh, these guys pull together and pull out ten wins with all the allegations that's been going on, uh, what what do you think are the chances that uh, the administration of uh, University of Miami invest? Invest no chance. in uh, a no, new no, stadium for the guy. No chance in the near future. You know they've got a long-term contract at Sun Life. I think as long as that's kept up, I think that's where you're going to see Miami stay. Um, you know, I think obviously one day you might see something evolve with Dade County at Tropical Park. That would be the only thing that I could see ever making sense. Um, but I don't think it's anything that's even on the radar screen right now. And I wouldn't spend uh, too much time thinking about it. Um, I'm gonna let you go right now. We, we still have a full board. We're running out of time. I've got I've got another call I got to go to. Hope you'll call back um, another week. Um, now we're gonna to go to the seven eight six, where we have former Miami Hurricane Gerard Daphnis on the line, and uh, I think he's brought us another special guest. How you doing, Gerard? I'm all right, man. It's, uh, it's interesting hearing all this all this passion that's been going back and forth, you know, with the callers, man. We're not oh. at a, a lack of passion at all. No lack of passion at all. It's great. People are excited. So, so, um, so how you doing tonight? Um, who's on the line with you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, I actually have a uh, former University of Miami office of lineman uh, Kelvin Harris, uh, the the ever so knowledgeable one, as, as we as we call him. You know, he <laughs> he, he makes sure he keeps his pulse on on everything. You know, all, all hurricanes and you know, I, and before I you know I let him chime in. You know, this this is my my take on everything, and and I hope this puts everything in perspective for everyone. The biggest difference that I've noticed, and and this has kind of been me just being around the team and, and kind of looking, you know, um, from a distance, but a very short distance, is the noticeable difference in the togetherness that they have, and that to me is uh, it speaks volumes. Because if you got guys that are that are working together and, and, and watching each other evolve and, and seeing each other, you know, develop into the players that they, they always knew that they could be, that mental element of it, then you add the physical on to it, um, is half the battle in itself. And then you start throwing in, you know, the, the, the X's and O's with it, and then now you have a, a recipe for success. So, you know, kind of like, the, you know, to the, 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 the agree with you in, in your respect that, you know, the uh, – 
this season is going to be exciting. I'm 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 feeling the same thing, but you know, probably for a little bit of a different reason, is if, and that's the fact that just kind of seeing these guys now, you know, kind of feeling themselves and, and believing themselves, and not and not just thinking that they're they're good because somebody told them that they're good, but now they're, they're looking at each other and they're seeing all the hard work that they put in there and saying, you know what, we're going to be all right, and actually believe that, and 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 that's the thing that's the most important difference that I see between you know, last year and years, you know, in the past up until this point right now. Well, Kelvin, um, you know, being a, an offensive lineman, and I, and I know what Gerard said is true, you know, you do keep your pulse on this team and watch a lot of Hurricane football. you got to be really excited about what you're seeing at your old position. Uh, without question, those top seven guys right now on the depth chart form the nucleus of a quality Miami offensive line that might turn out to be as good as, as any that's ever played at school. Well, to be honest with you, um, I think it should be, the, at the end of the day, it should be the best that we've ever had. Yeah. And, wh- I mean, and why do you say that? When you go from left to right, first of all, the guy that, that's the eye plus for me is Spencer Henderson. I personally feel, and I've I've, I've I've talked to a couple people about this. Some people agree, some people don't. I definitely feel he's a top ten pick. But I feel if he plays the way I think he's going to play after seeing him this summer, talking to him a couple times briefly, but then talking to some other guys and you know talking about the change in him. He could be the top pick in the draft. He is physically, technically the best I see in, in the country right now. Could be. He just has to do it, right, Kelman? He's got, he's got to get it done on the field, and you know. Well, to be honest with you, that's the whole um, that's the whole deal with with this group of kids. I mean. We've pointed fingers and blamed everybody. I personally feel like this. I mean, I know we don't necessarily like, a lot of people don't necessarily like the job that Mark has done with defense. But I say this all the time. I've said this to the kids. I, I think I've said this to Gerard. I've said this to a bunch of my ex-teammates because I was a part of this. You can outplay the coaching. I mean, I want you to think about what I just said. I'm going to give you an example. 1988, we played Michigan, second game of the year. Bo Schembechler did a great job of coaching. He changed up his entire scheme. Dave Wonstead comes in at halftime and says, hey, Kane's to a player. You're on your own. We win the game 31-30 because the players outplayed the coaching. And at some point, you can't blame the coach. You got to take it upon yourself to make a play. Well, especially so, when the when the personnel's de- as de- as deficient as the personnel on defense here has been the last two years. Yeah, well, you know what? To be honest with you, Gary, we were undersized last year, and I'll tell you what: a lot of people are down on the defense. 
but you got to pay attention to what happened the last three, four games of the year. Curtis Porter came back. He just make up change. Forrest Sapp is a friend of mine. We talk a lot about it. What you coach position in football right now is defensive tackle. That's why you see all these three, four schools because so many people can't coach defensive tackle. So you go to a scheme to try and out-scheme the teaching and the coaching. But at some point, the scheme is not going to get it done. And it's got to be on the Joes. It's got to be on the Jimmys and the Joes instead of the X's and the O's. Curtis Porter has first-round talent. When he's healthy, he's a difference maker. Luther Robinson is out of the doghouse. And let me tell you something. One of the things that's different with this year's team is we got some seniors. And, you know, Gerard can tell you this. I can tell you some personal opinion. When you become a senior, it all it all becomes different. It ain't funny games no more because you don't get a do-over. You know, 12 to 14 games to get it done, you got to go get a job. And that's what's happening with Curtis Porter. That's what's happening with Sprell. That's what's happening with Luther Robinson. That's what's happening with Jimmy Gaines. It's the finality yeah. of your career. And Makes a big difference. Yeah, I expect the defensive front seven to be better. I, I've listened to some of you guys talk about, you know, your expectation, but we have four solid defensive tackles now. Excuse me, five. Because Jelani Hamilton plays defensive tackle now. Yeah, he's and looking good, too. He should have been a tackle from the beginning. But, Gary, you, I, I was listening to you earlier today, earlier, like first, the first the first hour, and you guys were talking about Chicolo. I've, I've taken a personal – um, uh, I, I don't want to call it mentorship. I, I talk to him quite a bit. You know, I see him in person every now and then, but I talk to him a lot on Facebook because I understand why, you know, his performance suffered his second year. And I thought about it, and honestly, it sounded like he was kind of relieved that somebody understood. What people got to understand is what they're asking this kid to do. They're asking him to line up in a in a five technique, every play. Now, for those of you who don't understand that, what that means, is that means he lines up on the outside shoulder of the tackle, inside shoulder of the tight end, every play. And he's being he's asked to hold his ground on the run, but also get a pass rush. That's tough. Very tough. Yeah, well, I know he's been he's been struggling with that, and 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 it's not really. You know something that I think he's felt is suited to his abilities. Well, he was a little smaller last year, but he's about two seventy five, two eighty right now. He's gotten bigger and stronger, and the reason why you see the and or is because, to be honest with you, Sean Green probably they should have switched those two. Sean Green should have been the strong side guy if they were going to do this. And Ticolo should have been the backside guy because he was the better pass rusher. Now the Gilbert kid is smaller. He can't play that front side, but he's a very good football player. But the kid from yep. Jersey, uh, the Muhammad kid, he's got to get on the field somewhere because he brings it. There'll be a third down uh, pass rusher. This is a uh, former Kane Kelvin Harris. 
and former Kane Gerard Daphne is joining us on uh, Kane Sport Live, and Gerard will be bringing a different former player um, on the show throughout the season. And um, guys, before I let you go, uh, I just uh, and really quickly, I wanted to get some commentary, Kelvin, about something that you alluded to a minute ago, and that's the difference in a guy who's in his last year, um, a guy that's that fourth-year senior or fifth-year senior, um, and how this is it. This is the money year, so to speak. Um, you know, you'd like to think the kids coming out of high school who have the opportunity to play major college football would bring that type of passion into every single season. But in reality, guys, I mean, it doesn't always play out that way with a lot of these players. If you could very quickly um, each take a turn and ex- explain to us why that's the case. Why, you know, why don't they bring that passion to the early part of their career? And then why does it become an all of, uh, or bust men- mentality at the end? Well, let me let me start off with that because um, this is something that's, that's intimately affecting me. Since so I have a a son now that's um, entering high school, and I have a daughter that just um, just graduated and is going away to college on scholarship. And um, I could just say uh, up front that kids now, I mean, and it's just in simple words. Just let's just throw out the the football element of it. Kids now are different, and when I say different, meaning that. You know, I'm I'm 38 years old now, and the thing that motivated me um, when I was 17, 18 years old is a lot different than the things that that motivate kids now. And for this this big thing that that sticks out more than anything is a lot of these kids because of the the way that they they're being brought through the ranks, rather through the optimist level, you know, and through high school. Um, have this sense of what I'm going to describe as the sense of entitlement, where they kind of feel like something is, is owed to them as opposed to them having to actually go out and, and earn it. You know, the example I give you is, is, is my, my, with my own kid, my, my daughter, who um, has been a straight-A student, so she goes, well, with that, you know, I make straight A's, and, you know, by the time senior year rolls around, she's like, okay, you know, I, I think, you know, you should buy me a car. And my thought process to her was that, okay, you go to school, you make good grades because you're supposed to, and you should want to do that for yourself. I mean, of course, um, by you doing well, I'm going to want to do things for you, but the reality of it is, is that this is something that you should want to do for yourself. And not really to go off topic, if you can understand that, relate that, that same mentality to these, you know, teenagers coming out playing football and having a sense of entitlement like somebody, you know, owes them something, and they bring that on to the football field, like I said, depending on where they're coming from and what their background is. And it's not until they've actually been engulfed in the system and then they kind of get conditioned to understand, you know, what life is about. It's like an involvement process. They realize, like, oh, well, the real world really isn't like this. And you know what? Now it clicks. I'm in my senior year, and, you know, there's no more after this. You know, what do I do from here? And then now the light bulb goes off, and then you see a totally, you know, different player. But it's not just, you know, the athletes. It's just these kids now, you know, in general. Kevin, your thoughts? I mean, Gerard, I can't agree with you more about the kids today. I mean, um, it's, I'm just taking them back at mindset. But from a U.M. standpoint, what happens is, and I, I quick story, um, my senior year, um, you know, you have to do the buses you get on to go to class. So one day, me and Charles Farms are like the only two people on the bus. It's like maybe the third, fourth week of the season. And Charles just looks at me and says, hey, man, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I was like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? I'm 
that just basically is a microcosm of what happens when you're a senior. And I mean, I'll give you my personal situation. I came in as an outside linebacker um, with under Coach Johnson. I mean, of course, he told me that they love big linebackers. Ironically, the guy that I played behind my first year, you know, I was third, third string registered, was Randy Shannon, who was 242. He had no muscle, girl hip, never, never tapped up his, uh, his, uh, his, his string, his, uh, spin strap or his, uh, uh, shoulder pad in practice, but he called out the play like he was in the huddle, when, and he was like, what the hell? So I ended up going to defensive tackle, then defensive end, then Jimmy leaves to go to Dallas. Next thing you know, Dennis comes in. So I'm thinking, okay, I can go back and defensive end. And they talk to me, no, we want you to stay and play guard. Then I was playing center. And then before you know it, it's my fifth year. So I sat out and I said, hey, I got one shot at this thing. I mean, I've played these positions. I went to spring practice. I knocked it out. Started 12 games. He won a national title. I got drafted. I mean, the focus, your focus is just so much more intense because if you get hurt and miss two or three or four games, it ain't no next year, you know, and every game you play is on film. I was blessed enough to have Leon Searcy on the same offensive line with me, the best offensive lineman in the country. So when they came to see Leon, this is my mindset um, at the time. It was, hey, they gotta, if they're going to see Leon, they got to see me. So if I do my job, somebody's going to notice. And the Rams notice. And a lot of these guys are probably, they may not be necessarily looking at it like how I looked at it, but they're thinking, hey, this is it. i got to knock this out. But Gerard said something that was interesting, and it's true also. These guys are so much closer than they were two years ago because all of the weeds are gone. All the crab grass is gone. All the guys who are me guys who come to the program, not to win a national title, but to get drafted. And then let me tell you something about what Gerard was just saying about the mindset of these kids and entitlement. This is what shocked me. I found this out about three, four years ago. A lot of these kids don't even care if they go in the first round. Me and Sapp had this conversation two years ago. He was like, I came back. He said, I came back. For my, you know, I last year because I wanted to be the first pick in the draft, and because he could have went out after his third year, and we 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 both were taken aback that these kids don't even care. Some, not, not necessarily saying our kids, but just kids nowadays, they don't look at it like, well, I need to be the best first pick in the draft. A lot of these kids are just thinking back at this kind of basic contract. I mean, it's like, you know. The bar has dropped so low. And so what happens if you're Jimmy Gaines, you bounce time, this is it. You got 14 shots. And I think that's what's happened with the team. We got a nice mix of seniors and young yep. guys. We got focus guys, guess the guys. And I think it's going to all work out. All right, Kelvin Harris, former Hurricane, and Gerard Daphnis joining us on Kane Sport Live. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time out. And, uh, Kelvin, maybe we'll catch up with you again later in the season. And, uh, Gerard, I, I know you're going to be a fixture of the show pretty much every week and bringing different former Hurricanes on, so we, we can't thank you enough. 
Um, we're running out of time here on Kane Sport Live. I do have one caller from the 954 who's been on hold for 50 minutes. I'm going to try to get to him real quick. You are on Kane Sport Live. Hello? All right, he's hung up. Um, let me try to squeeze one more in. And From the 305, you are on Kane Sport Live. What can I do for you tonight? Hello? Hello? <laughs> I think people got tired of holding on through all that, but um, 786, you're on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, hey, what's up? What's up? You got about 30 seconds. Talk to me. Just calling back to clear up something, man. I didn't mean when I was talking about Florida and those other programs cheating that I wanted Miami to cheat. What I was what I was touching on was you said my money didn't have anything to do with it, and I was trying to make a point that whether it be illegal or legal, money has everything to do with it. Have a nice night. All right, there. point point well taken. Feel free to call back next week, and we'll talk about that more. I apologize to any callers that didn't get through tonight. Um, great show, guys. I mean, if we can replicate this every week, it'll be awesome. Uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next Tuesday night, and we'll see you on the message boards at canesport.com. Yo, Adrian, Adrian!